0: All right. Hey, we're going to welcome you back. We are going to be in 1 Corinthians. I'm again we refer to a couple of different passages today, but uh, the one passage I'll be in is in 1 Corinthians 9:24 through 27. So everybody have a good New Year's. Good New Year's and Christmas. Yeah? Yeah, Luke says yes. All right. Good. Good. All right. Well, usually um my pattern has been, usually this time of year, I usually touch on SMART goals or planning, kind of planning out the year. I, I, I am a believer in that. I think there is some wisdom in that. Um, and so we've talked about SMART goals. Um, you maybe don't have that um, memorized, but often we, we fail. So the big thing in the world, right, is you set a New Year's resolution, right, you state that. And a lot of people, some people are for that, some are against it. But usually, the reason why we're against it sometimes is because um, we, we set goals out there, resolutions, things that just aren't SMART. And, but what I mean is SMART is an acronym. So it means goals that are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time based. All right? So many times they're just too big for us. And they're not not realistic, and so, um, you know, I'm going to get to the gym this year, okay? I'm going to start a new habit, get to the gym. I'm going to go five, seven days a week for two hours. Well, you know, yeah, you you know, you should probably, do. maybe it would be good for you, but is it realistic, especially when you haven't been in the gym at all this past year, right? So some people are able to pull that off, but most people fail because they'd be better off setting something that's a little more manageable, more realistic, measurable, and so on, so... All right, and a real bad goal will say, "Hey, I'm going to go to the gym this next year." So technically, you could go once and you would fulfill that, right? Right? So the more you make it specific, say, "I'm going to go to the gym three times a week for an hour," you know, even if you have to put the time in there, the more the chances are you'll be able to you'll be able to make that. Um, so in that book, Atomic Habits, though, he really points out that you know goals are great. Goals are great, but there's usually something that's a little more significant, and that is habits and the systems we put in place. Um, so often the, the problem we have there, so, okay, let me backtrack here. But, so every day, 40 to 50% of the things that you do, the behaviors you do are automatic. They're habits. You don't even think about. Help me out with those. What, are, what would be some of those? The Brushing your teeth. Okay. I'm glad you did that, Denise. All right. All right, what else? Tie your shoes, yeah, okay. What else? Make coffee, okay. Get up. You don't really think about some of those habits, right? You just go do them, right? They've just become so automatic. Wouldn't it be good if all those good habits were just like automatic? And how about those bad habits that you just do automatically, right? Ooh, Right? There's a reason why we do those and the reason why good habits. So we're going to talk a little more about that. Um, Okay. There's a lot of things. I had brush your teeth, eat breakfast, lunch, tie your shoes, get dressed. Uh, There's just a lot of things that we do that are just automatic. So what does Scripture have to say about this? So let's look at one of the passages in Proverbs. And before we do, let's just look to the Lord in prayer, and then uh, we're going to dive in. Father, we just thank you for this day, dear God. We thank you that we can uh, study your Word uh, that we can grow in you and grow in who you've called us to be. I pray that uh, your blessing and your spirit is here to just to be with us. We ask it in your name. Amen. All right. So uh, if you talk to Chris, I got like way too much content here this morning, so I'm going to keep it moving, all right? So if it gets one o'clock, you don't have to ring the bell, all right? All right. I'm just teasing. All right. Proverbs 10:17 says, Whoever heeds discipline, and you have to realize it's in the context of wisdom, shows the way to life. But whoever ignores correction or discipline leads others astray. So again, this idea of discipline. Proverbs is all about wisdom and discipline, and incorporating those into our life, and they provide health to our body, soul, and mind. That's what Christie read. All right, God's wisdom. All right, and then you have Second Timothy one seven. So Paul's writing to his young mentor. Okay, and he says, "For the spirit of God, that the spirit that God has given us does not make us timid." Okay. Um, Lack confidence, but He gives us a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline or sound mind, depending on the translation you go with there, right? Self-discipline. You know, one of the hardest, the hardest person in the world to lead is yourself, yeah. If you can't lead yourself, you're going to have a hard time leading others, all right? 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, Paul again, he says, Do you not realize in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal goal, a prize. Heaven, right? So I run with the purpose in every step. I am not shadow boxing. I am disciplined my body like an athlete, training to do what should, what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, okay, after being a witness to others and living my life, that somehow I could lose my own salvation. And you would think that wouldn't happen, but it happens a lot, folks. It happens a lot. Even by people that we see in the media and that we watch on TV or listen to, they get to the end of their life and they've lived a life for God. They've led, brought others to Christ but then they sometimes even lose out at the end. They disqualify themselves. The message translation is more of a paraphrase. It's a great paraphrase, but it's more of a paraphrase. It says, you've all been to a stadium and you've seen athletes race. Everyone runs, but only one wins. Run to win. All athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades, but you're after gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard to finish for the finish line. I'm giving everything that I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert. I'm in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. Having, all right, so that's what he says. Yeah, that's pretty intense there, wasn't it, Paul? And I don't know if he was just talking about his spiritual disciplines. Was he even talking about making sure he got to bed on time and making sure that he ate right? Um, Those all things impact how we live our life. Amen? Right? So having goals, habits, and disciplines that guide one's life are biblical and they impact our physical health, our spiritual health, our emotional health, and our relationship. They impact our financial well-being, right? And in fulfillment of one's purpose in life. So... If they are so essential, why are they so elusive at times? Remember Paul? That's is in my notes, so I'm going down a rabbit hole. Paul says, what I want to do, I cannot do. But what I don't want to do, that I I do. Wow, isn't that just terrible? So in his book, Atomic Habits, James Clear shares some principles that worked in his life. And if you, on that first chapter their introduction he talks about his own experience that he was in high school i think right around his sophomore year he was in batting practice he loved baseball he wanted to go on i think his his father played professional and he wanted i think had that same goal he's in batting practice and one of the batters let go of the bat got away from him hit him in the nose just kind of really pushed his nose in they rushed him to the hospital it was so bad that his brain began to swell and they actually had to put him on life support. He went into a coma. Um, things began to turn around the next day but it was a long process for him. And then to go back and to uh, get baseball, he really didn't play much his last two years of high school baseball and that was his goal and his dream. He did get on at uh, Denison University. Um, he made the team there and he, he made the commitment. He realized that because of what he went through, if he was going to be able to see the field at all, he was going to have to do things that other people weren't, weren't doing. So he began to make small choices. Instead of staying up late like all the other kids did, he went to bed early. Um, he was faithful to the gym, he was there, he was faithful. He developed good study habits so that he was going to get good grades and, and he wouldn't get burned out and all that. And he made some small choices. By his, uh, by his, uh, I believe his junior year, he was he was uh, he made the pitching rotation, um, and in the starting lineup there, and then his senior year, he was named uh, the top male athlete for Denison University, and he was also selected as one of 36 athletes in the country uh, to the ESPN All Academic All American team. Pretty good. Pretty good, but it was because of these small choices, decisions, habits that he developed that helped um, to give him the advantage he needed. And one of the things he pointed out is that habits compound over time. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. right There's one thing of saving money, right? Right now, if you put money in your savings account in the bank, it's doing nothing, right? There's a little bit of interest, you're lucky if you get a point a quarter of a percent there, maybe, right. All right? But if you were getting 10 or 20%, so if you had it invested in mutual funds or the stock market this past year, you could have gotten 20% or better. That's a huge difference. That's compounding, right? So the money you have in there, it compounds and you get bigger results. Habits compound, whether they are good or bad habits. And you say, How is that? Well, I can have a salad for lunch one day, right? and I'm probably not going to notice a difference at all, right? I can get on the scale, I can look at myself, right? I'm probably not going to notice the difference from that one salad. But if I have that salad for lunch day after day after day, and I make that choice, that small choice, it's going to show up in the long run, right? Now, if we have a bacon cheeseburger, like Pastor Andy mentioned last week, and we have that for lunch every day, having it one time probably isn't going to make a difference. I'm going to get on the scale, oh, I'm good, right? Right? And I look at myself in the mirror, oh, that looks good. I feel good. But if I had a bacon cheeseburger, double one, every day for lunch, it would, be, it would show up on the scale. It would show up in what I look like. It would show up when they looked inside and looked at my arteries, right? It would show there too, right? it it adds up. So, habits, it's not just that one thing, it's that we repeat them day after day, right? Um, They compound over time. He also points out that habits are more important than goals, and that's the first time I've really heard that, but a lot of times, you you know, you get into, they talk about goals, you have to have goals, right? He said the thing about goals is that once you reach that goal, what happens? Once you reach that goal of losing 30 pounds, what happens? You stop, right? You reached your goal. And you missed the point of the process to get you there, right? And you win a race. You go through all that training to win a race, and you win the race, right? Woo! And then you stop the training, Right? You, you stop those things, and so he says, you know what, goals are great, but if you don't learn to fall in love with the habits and the systems and the disciplines that are behind the goal, you're going to miss the point. You following me? Um, so he says, goals are the results of what you want to achieve. Systems are comprised of habits and disciplines that are about the process that are needed to lead to those results, okay? Okay. Um, and so we can be concerned, consumed with reaching goals, but if we don't fall in love with the process, we're going to miss it out. So Joseph, Joseph in the Old Testament, right? God gave him these great dreams. Um, but he had to go through a process before God would use him, 12-year process. Moses, I think he had aspirations there too, and he sensed God's call upon his life as a young man. But then he would go into the wilderness for how long? 40 years process before he would be able to lead God's people. God would take him through process. Habits and disciplines we develop in the process are often more important than reaching a certain goal, all right? And that implies to your life and my life. We can set a goal. So this isn't just about losing weight. It's not just about maybe some... It's about maybe even just reading your Bible and getting into your Bible in prayer. Those are disciplines, right? And you can say, man, I did that once, and I did it once or twice, and I just, eh, you know, right? I didn't see the results, right? And so we gave up on it, right? But I can guarantee you that if you have that as part of your life, you have a prayer life, you have study of God's Word life, there's going to be compounding results that people are going to see in your life and that God is going to utilize. I look at Mary and Joseph. So we just got out of Christmas. But there was something, there was patterns, there was disciplines, there were habits in their life. That they had put in place that God says, hey, they are the people that I want to raise my son. Um, All right, I'm going to skip ahead here. Okay, so I'm going to, Chris, I'm going to jump ahead. Atomic Habits. So... Some goals. Winners and losers all have the same goals. Do you realize that? They, you get into a race. Aaron, you ran, right? Yeah. Everybody on that fin- on that line started. Everybody had the same goal to win the race, right? But only one won, right? So, it is the, the habits and the disciplines you develop that can sometimes be more important than that goal. Achieving a goal is only a momentary is only for a momentary change. Uh, goals restrict your happiness, okay? So this would really apply to if you want to lose weight and you say, I can't have that cinnamon roll, I can't have the chocolate, I can't have, ch- although black, dark chocolate's good for you, right? Sierra, dark chocolate is good for you, all right? They give me a bad time at in youth group that I like dark chocolate, but all right, um, but we delay happiness, right? Because we're, we're reaching that goal and we delay happiness and we're miserable in the process, right? And so we kind of sabotage ourselves. And then goals often are at odds with long-term pro- progress. In other words, we set a goal, but it's, it only gets us to a certain place and then we go backwards because the goal doesn't go beyond that. So ultimately, our commitment to the process is probably more important than the goals. So how long does it take to form a habit? Yeah, that's what they say, 21 days, right? Sometimes I think it can be quicker. Sometimes it, it can take a lot longer than that. Habits are formed. So if you remember psychology class or science class, um, they have done experiments on this. Habits are formed over time through a couple different things. First is the cue, all right? Triggers, smell, sight. Uh, we walked into some place yesterday. It was a restaurant, and you could smell the cinnamon rolls. It's kind of like, oh, man, right? So trigger, smells good, I want it. So that leads to the craving. All right? Cue, and then you got the craving. Craving's the motivation behind the habit. The response, I eat it, right? I eat it, the reward. Man, it tastes good in my mouth, right? Right? That's the reward. It's so immediate. And it's kind of like, man, I could have cinnamon rolls every day. All right. Every meal. But but then you have the delayed thing, right? Now, if, you ha- if I have too much sugar, I feel horrible afterwards, all right? Okay, not initially, but 30 minutes to an hour later, you get that sugar crash, okay? I was going to use it of Krispy Kreme Donuts. I know there's somebody out here that likes Krispy Kreme, so I won't mention her name, all right? There's probably a lot of us, all right? So here's the deal, folks. Um. Good habits usually cost more up front while bad habits cost you down the road. Because bad habits, you get that immediate reward, but it's down the road that all of a sudden I, man, I got clogged arteries because I've been having that bacon cheeseburger, right? Every day. Okay? It doesn't happen immediately, it happens down the road. Now, the good habit of eating that salad, it's like I can eat that salad day after day. I'm not seeing anything else. I'm though maybe the weight comes off, maybe just the health, overall health in your body, you know, when you go get your blood work done and all that, and the doctor says, "Man, your numbers are really looking good, your cholesterol's down and all that That doesn't happen overnight. Your A1C is a measure, that's your blood sugar is a measurement over how many days. Who can tell me? Ninety days. 90 days. So, just means cutting out your sugar for two days isn't going to change your A1C. It's a, it's a, it records over a 90-day period. It's a measurement. So, it's a track record of, of how you're doing over that period of time. All right. So, that becomes the issue then with making good habits and bad habits in our life is that often the good habits have delayed results. There's not that immediate, oh, that tastes so good, right? It's a delayed result. So how can we change this? So these are the points. I'm going to hit them pretty fast here, and you can write them in. I think there's some of them in the loop bulletin there as well. But small habits, make small habits obvious, and your bad habits invisible. So this comes out of the book, Atomic Habits. So what does he mean by that? Make your small habits obvious and your bad habits invisible. So, say you want to eat more fruits and vegetables and less sh- sugary snacks. So you're going to replace a uh, a good habit, a bad habit, with a good habit. Okay, and so in order to do that, you can't have the pop where it's visible. You can't have uh, the, the Krispy Kreme donuts there right on the dining room table. You have to hide them. Don't even bring them in the house. Right. So. W- Amy and I, we don't do pop, okay? That's just never been part of our lifestyle. We've never, so every once in a while, they get burners, you know, that ginger ale that really zings your nose and stuff. I don't know if you've ever had that, but it's really aged well. Um, That's about the only time we ever have pop in our house. But, so it's, it's not even a temptation for me usually because it's not even, it's not even there. It's hidden. It's invisible in our house, okay? Now, the zucchini bread, when that's on the counter... It, and it's obvious that's a hard thing for me to do. All right? It is. It's good. And I can eat that, and I can notice it on the scale the next night. Yes, it's there. I don't know what it is about it, but it's there. Very immediate. <laughs> all right? So if I want to eat more fruits and vegetables, then I, first of all, have to have fruits and vegetables in the house, ones that look good, that taste good, and have them obvious. Put them where I'm going to see them, and I'm going to hide the other stuff. Right? So, if you're going to replace a bad habit with a good habit, begin with making the good habit obvious, making the bad habit invisible. Okay? Pretty simple. Number two, make your small habits attractive and your bad habits unattractive. You know what? If we went into most of your homes and we went into your living room, what is kind of the centerpiece of your living room? The TV. Yep, you got the chairs all turned facing the TV. So if your goal is to read more and watch TV less, you have your place all set up in an attractive way to watch TV, but you don't have it set up to to read a book or to do your devotions in the morning. You have it set up for TV. So if you want to change that habit, you are sabotaging yourself if you leave things the way they are. So if you want to Develop a good habit. Make it harder to watch TV. Make it less attractive. Turn the chairs the other way. I watched one home improvement show. They hid the TV in the furniture, right? So it was out of sight until they wanted to watch it, right? Right? And You like that idea, right? Yeah. But the habits. Make them obvious. Make those good habits attractive. All right, provide the atmosphere. If you, if you t- hid the TV and found a good, comfortable chair with good lighting and a perfect atmosphere that you could sit down and curl up uh, and read a book, maybe by the fireplace, right, um, I bet you would it'd be a lot more conducive to reading and you wouldn't have that tendency to go and watch TV, okay? Those are just some ideas. Number 3, make small habits easy and your bad habits difficult. Wow, that sounds good, doesn't it? So, um he he even gives an example. I don't know if it's in his book, but it's in a podcast, it's in a YouTube video with Craig Rochelle, but he just talks about that um, if your goal is to get to the gym three times a week, he says, make it easy. Don't go there and work out for two hours the first time you go. He says, get your gym shoes on, your clothes, start the car, go to the gym. And even if you don't go in, just develop the habit of going to the gym, right? He goes, he has a two-minute rule. He goes, whatever you're going to do, start it off for two minutes. So if you want to read a book, don't, don't say, hey, I want to read more, right? And so then you say, I'm going to read a book a day, Rick Warren does that, I guess. For most of us, that would just, that's not realistic, okay? To open up a book and read one or two pages a day, how many could do that? Two minutes. You could do that. And then you can expand. Once that becomes the habit, then you can expand on that. And you can go, I'm going to read a chapter a day, all right? You develop that. Make it easy, he says. One of the main reasons why we don't develop good habits, better habits, is because we make them too hard. And then make your bad habits difficult. So, there again, if I want to do more reading and less watching TV, unplug the TV, hide it, take it to a different room, put it in the attic, make it difficult. Just kind of, like, man, I want to watch TV, but I'm not going to go all the way up there and get that TV, right? Okay, um, <laughs> go to whatever links that you have to, right? Our first two years of marriage, we didn't have a TV in the house. And uh, we really didn't miss it. We didn't miss it. We both were, had were busy lives. Um, so the two-minute rule, all right? If you want to get up early in the morning, ooh, this is a good one, okay? If you want to get up earlier in the morning, okay, make it harder to stay in bed. So we just got a new furnace kind of right first part of December and so it has a programmable thermostat. It's even on my phone and it it tells when we're home or not home so it adjusts the heat to that. But we have it set so it starts turning up the heat at six. Okay? So it warms up the house. But what I've noticed is it's easier to get out of bed when it does that because it's like I like to sleep when it's cool in the house. Okay. Anybody there? Right? Well, all of a sudden that heat comes on, it's kind of like, man, I need to get the blankets off, and it wakes me up, and it's kind of, like, it's easier to get out of bed. When it stays cool, it's kind of like, I'm going to stay under the covers, right? And I'm going to hit that snooze button. So those are just ways that maybe psychologically we make it harder on ourselves or easier on ourselves to get these habits going. Isn't that weird? Journaling. I'd really like to see a lot of you uh, journal. Um, that's something that I do. Um, but if you want to journal... You probably need to get a journal book that is one that looks nice. So, Sarah, you, I'm going to put you on the spot. Sarah got me one for, I don't know if it was pastor appreciation, if it was Christmas, or something like that. You got me a couple of years back, so I'm using it right now. So, it's brown leather, kind of looks weathered kind of deal, but it looks nice, okay? Um, but if you want to start journaling, you want to f- make it obvious, put it in a place where you're going to see it every day and you can't get around it, right? Kind of like your Post-it notes or sticky notes, right? You put them where you, you on the fridge or you put them on the microwave. My wife likes to put them on the microwave or the bathroom mirror. I mean, you put them where you, they're obvious, right? So you put it where it's obvious, you want it to look attractive, you kind of like it, because all those things lead into developing a good habit. Before long, it's going to be like, man, I missed journaling today. And it's like my, li- my day is off because I, I skipped that habit, right? So, Number four, make your small habits satisfying and your bad habits unsatisfying. And here's the deal. Habits that we, that are rewarded, are repeated. What is punished is avoided. So, I've been saving this one. So, Denise, you mentioned in the morning one of the first things that we probably do before we head off to work, school, whatever, is we brush our teeth, right? Now... How many of you would brush your teeth if the toothpaste tasted like oh Brussels sprouts? It wouldn't taste good, huh? So I am taking from that that I I do like Brussels sprouts, but whenever we cook them, the house smells like Brussels sprouts for the next day, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so. I like Brussels sprouts, but I don't think I want my toothpaste tasting like Brussels sprouts, right? And, but, so we probably wouldn't do it. So, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, is that toothpaste is usually flavored as mint, cinnamon, right? And even when you aren't getting your little kids to brush your teeth, it's even bubblegum flavored, right? Why is that? Because then the, the habit is rewarded by something that is tastes good, right? The reward is there. Did you ever think about that? Man, that is how habits... So what we reward is repeated. What we um, get punished for, we don't. And, and I think the, the key thing here is about when we're developing good habits in our life, and often sometimes those rewards are delayed, we have to think of creative ways to reward some of those good habits. All right? All um, right. There's some other things that, um, how, can you, how can you, like journaling, how can you make that a rewarding thing? Well, you can track it, okay? So there's some of you, how many like tracking things? You track it and you look at it and it's kind of like, wow, I got a sense of accomplishment. I did this, right? I did a whole week and there's kind of a sense of accomplishment. That's a reward, right? It's like, it's like making your bed every day, right? I've shared on that, right? The, the whole day may go bad, but if you made your bed, you did one thing right, right? You made your bed. Okay? Track your progress. Have an accountability partner. Have friends that are going on that same journey with you, making their bed, you know, uh, that are maybe journaling or maybe you're, you're wanting to do uh, just uh, going to the gym. Have, have people that go with you. Um, that is huge, having those accountability relationships and just that socialization. He shares in his book that one of the things that he's, that he thought he overlooked in his book that he shares later is that the impact just of social, our social surroundings, how that impacts us. We sometimes call that peer pressure, but just our social surroundings impact how we dress a lot of times, a lot of the things that we do. So find the people that you want to be like and be part of their group in a good way, not in a bad way. Okay? Be in a social environment that supports the values and the disciplines and the habits you want to develop. Amen. I did pretty good today. I may have the musicians come. Small changes or habits that will make a big difference in your life. Um, you have to make them obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying. Some habits have probably maybe no spiritual value, but I learned. I learned in ministry. It was about a few years into ministry. We we're in our first pastorate, and um, I had been um, in high school. I did some football. I did some track, the sport I really enjoyed. Uh, eventually, that I kind of fell upon my the last couple of years was weightlifting. I had a football coach. Um, um, that was very much into weightlifting. And our school really didn't do that. I was a small was a small cl- school, folks. I think the town is under a 1,000 people, okay? I had nine people in my grades in my class, okay? No, I had 15. I had 15. Five girls and five or six girls, and then the rest are all guys. But um, he got us into weightlifting. And I, where I, I was good at football, I was good at football. I really was. But I really didn't have the temperament for it. And um, i didn't have brothers, I had sisters, so i wasn't used to rough housing as much, but I loved weightlifting. It was a good fit for me, and it was it just kind of fit who I was so then I get into ministry and i 'm spending i'm trying to be a good pastor, you know i 'm going to the office, and we again, we were pastor in a town the size of Wilbur right around two thousand, and church was doing good, it was growing, and stuff like that, but i wasn't i didn't have energy. I was, the church had seen some really good growth, and then we'd kind of leveled off. And so that was kind of like, ah, you know, I wasn't feeling the real good about things. And uh, I just kind of hit this, kind of this lull. And um, there was a racquetball court that got closed down and bought by a seed company. So we're in Nebraska, you know, that there's seed companies that are all over And they bought this, and they used it for their office. They repurposed it. But they kept some of that open because they didn't need all the space. So they just had this little weightlifting area. So I went in there, and I started lifting weights. And um, the immediate results, I mean, he had the soreness and all that. But the immediate results I began to feel were just, it really took me by surprise because it, it changed my outlook on life, on ministry. I felt better about myself, but I felt better about life in general and in ministry. I had energy that I didn't have. I was going through a time of discouragement. It lifted my spirits. And it it was just a really eye-opener that how God has made us and that our physical life is attached to our spiritual health and our emotional health. Those are all woven together. And so the passage that Christie talked about saying, if we incorporate the disciplines that are within Scripture... And live a disciplined life, it's not only going to impact my physical life, it's going to impact my spiritual life, it's going to impact my emotional health. All those things are woven together. Um, some of you aren't feeling good about yourself spiritually, but it has maybe, maybe has something to do with about disciplines, but some of it maybe has to do with just what you're eating. Can we be blunt like that? Some of you may be or have a great spiritual life, but it's impacting the other parts of your life in a way that you would... Maybe your spiritual life is struggling, so it's impacting every other aspect of your life. They're all connected. He says in his book, and to me this was the gold nugget for me anyway. He says, if you want to develop good habits over the long term. You have to fall in love with the mundane. And Andy mentioned that last week a little bit too. You have to fall in love with the mundane. And he says, you know what? There's a lot of great athletes out there. But he says the ones that usually win the races, the ones that excel are the ones that fall in love with the discipline, the mundane. Going to the work, to the gym every day and getting there. How many like doing that? I mean, there's days that, you know, you want to go out there and do that. Now, let's take it to the spiritual level here. The Christians that tend to do the best are the ones that show up Sunday after Sunday. That is not a barometer of your spiritual health. But I can guarantee you that by being here, you're putting yourself in an environment to hear from God. And some days you're gonna feel like it, but some days you're not. I'm I'm a pastor, I'm a human being beyond that. Okay? If I if I came to church every Sunday that I didn't feel like I mean you would know there would be where's Pastor Brent today? Well, he didn't feel like coming. Well that's right. It's just honest. There's days I'm excited and excited what God is going to do, but there's some days that man, you know, been a busy week, late night, whatever the case may be. Yeah. But you show up. And it's in that process that God transforms us. And I think that transformation that takes place day in day out is is the gold that God does in our life. That's where he makes us into who he wants us to be. You know, Joseph had a lot of potential. God saw it from his early ages and placed the dreams within his heart saying, one day people are going to bow down to you. But he had to go into prison. He had to be betrayed by his brothers. He had to be in prison and learn to serve faithfully there before God would say, I'm going to now put you second command of all Egypt. Moses was chosen at an early age and spared. His life is spared so he can be the deliverer of Israel. And he shows promise. He has the drive and And all of a sudden, he goes and murders an Egyptian and he flees for his life. And 40 years, he's out in the wilderness learning how to shepherd sheep. But it was that habit of shepherding sheep and knowing how to take care of sheep that one day now God says, now I want you to shepherd my people Israel. They need food. They need to be led. They need to be directed. You have to fall in love with some of those daily things even when you don't feel like it. I think that's why showing up at church every Sunday is so important. Paul uses the metaphor of running the race. Everybody has the goal when they enter a race of winning, but only one wins. Paul says, I run and I do everything in my power to discipline myself so that after preaching to others, I don't get disqualified. I want to finish the race. Amen? And that would be one of my goals for myself, but also for each of you here today, is that, that you finish the race, that you reach your full kingdom potential for God. We all have potential. It's all different levels. But where would you put yourself? Are you reaching your full potential? If you were to just do an assessment, are you allowing God to use you at the greatest level? There might be some things that are holding your back. It may be what you're eating. It may be your devotional life and your prayer life. It may be what you're thinking about or what you're watching on TV. Some of those habits are sabotaging what God wants to do in your life. Some of those are maybe bad habits. In other words, by bad, I mean they're not good spiritually. But some of them maybe are just bad in the way that they're keeping us. They're occupying time and developing things in our life that are just not in the light us go forward. Now, God is the one that He's given us His Holy Spirit to speak to us. So what is God speaking to you today? What is He speaking to you today? As you begin a new year, it's a good time to recalibrate. It's a good time to hit that. Show me that button, Chris. Show me the title slide a good time of the year sometimes on a computer on your phone if you haven't started it over again you probably need to do it if it's been a long time because it just runs better right you hit that button and it powers up and it refreshes it some of us need to do that learn what we can from last year hit that button say what are we going to do different but do it in a way that is smart do it in a way that is maybe small steps that we can build upon Amen. Father, you uh, you love us. You've created us. We're so fearfully and wonderfully made. It just it boggles my mind at times, just of how we work and how we're crafted and created, and even with these habits and stuff, Lord God, and um, how they can even just be impact our life in such a spiritual way spiritual disciplines of prayer or fasting, and even just a Sabbath day those are things you incorporate in your word and they were to be disciplines for your people habits for your people that would help guide their life that would bring health to their body, their soul, their mind Lord God, they're not rules to be followed they're things to be embraced that would give us the health that we need for our own self but also to glorify you Lord and Lord God, just as we begin a new year, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Lord, grant us the wisdom that we need just for ourselves. It's not, we're not looking at anybody else, Lord God. We're just looking at ourselves right now. God, what are the, some of the things You want to shape and form within us? Maybe there's some small changes we need to make. Maybe there's some big things that need to change. But Lord, give us the wisdom of the small steps we can take to get us there, to that place. God, give us the wisdom we need by your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit to come speak to us. You know, this may seem, for some of you, may seem like a small thing. But I know some of us, we live defeated lives sometimes just because of the habits in our life. It can do with our, our food. It can deal with our sleep habits. It can deal with the TV, the reading, uh, our devotional life, our spiritual we're living discouraged lives. We're living defeated lives. We know that God wants more, has more for us, but we feel like we're spinning our world, wheels. We feel like we're stuck in a rut. And I don't know if you feel like this is a spiritual message or not, but I, I can guarantee you that there's more spirituality in this message sometimes than we'll give credit for You start spending two minutes a day in God's Word when you've been doing nothing. Your life is going to be transformed by His power. You spend two minutes in prayer a day when you haven't been doing anything. Your life is going to be changed and transformed. You follow me? Amen. Amen. Would you stand this morning, Phil, lead us in that song, and then we're going to come back for a final prayer. search the world. Amen. 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 Did God speak to you this morning? It's a trick question. So, as we leave, I want you to find one or two persons. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, one or two, so maybe groups of two or three. If you can, somebody that you can share, something that God is speaking to you that he wanted you to maybe change and then pray for each other. Can you do that? I know that's being a little bit, that's showing the weakness, right? That's what happens in small groups a little bit, but if there's somebody here that you feel comfortable doing that, would you just take a moment just to say, hey, this is what God spoke to me. This is something I want to change. Um, because otherwise we're going to leave here. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change, right? We're going to get off into our days. So if you can just do that, uh, Chris can bring up some music here. And uh, just find one or two people and just say, hey, this is what God spoke to me. This is what I would like to work on. Amen? Make it small. All right? Okay, go for it.